Alright, ladies and gentlemen, take two. So this is a, a practice testing podcast. It's like the preseason before the season starts. So it's a pilot. So yeah, my name is Jorge Sanchez. Uh, here from San Jose, California. I'm a f- filmmaker and a stand-up comedian and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, how, how are you doing, America? Or the world? I guess I should say the world, right? These days, like, the world is connected. We're doing fine, Jorge. <laughs> Why? Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, I hope you're all doing well. Me, I'm okay. I'm a little concerned. You know, it's like, um, tomorrow is my birthday, and I'm turning 25. And I don't exactly know how to feel about it. It's like, it really brings a perspective about this whole idea of you've been living for a quarter century. And how much have you done with your life in the quarter century? Or how much... And for me, it's complicated because I don't know how to really rationalize it. Because honestly, I'm scared when the sun rises tomorrow. Because I, I still don't know how to best describe the first quarter living in this world. And I guess, I mean, I've learned a lot. I failed a lot. and But I succeeded in a lot of other things. But I think the, the best way I rationalize it is something that happened to me today. Um, like, today I, I finally... I, I have a car... And it broke down. And I, I left it there for like a year. Like I didn't touch it because it was something with the engine. It was going to cost a lot of money. And I finally realized that I'm going to have to say goodbye to this car. And as I was inside taking out, you know, because I have a bunch of CDs. I'm old school like that. I buy CDs. And I, I, it hit me. It's like I have so many memories in this car. You know, this car it was like. As soon as I got it, it was like a sense of independence where I could drive anywhere I want. Uh, I, I used to road trips on it and a lot of good memories with friends. Um, I fucked in that car, you know. So a lot of memories with girlfriends and stuff. And as I realized this is truly the end, it's, it's, it hit me. It's like it's, it's sad, it's bittersweet, but it had to be done. And a lot of the way, that's how I feel about turning 25. As I look back at my years, like my, my childhood, my high school years. I'm still in college. I'm 24 and still in college. Um, but still, it's like, I think I felt like I've gone through like two different lifetimes since I started college. And that's the best way I look at it. I look at it, it's like I have so many memories and so many bad memories but at the end of the day, you know, life moves on. And um, I guess it's all about perspective, really. So that's a bit about me and how I'm depressed because tomorrow I'm turning 25. So we'll, we'll see what the day holds for me tomorrow. Anyway, so for this pilot podcast, my first guest is a good friend of mine. Uh, his name is David Fournier. And he's uh, he, he, he has his own band. It's a great band. It's a, it's called Time Will Decide. Uh, he's a songwriter. He's a guitarist and, and pianist. He's a very talented guy, and uh, he runs his own uh, musical open mic at downtown San Jose, and that's where we met. So, uh, David, say hi. Hi, hello. Yes, thank you. That's <laughs> it's. Glad you enjoy the water. Happy birthday, happy. soon. Yeah. On the East Coast, uh, you're you're like an hour, two hours away, yeah, from turning twenty-five. See, that's the thing about time, you know. Yeah. Time here isn't the same as time there, right? Nor is time there the same here. And time by twenty-five in nineteen twenties, you should have maybe a wife, a you know, whole. I don't know, man. Kids. I'm, I'm Latino, so if I was twenty-five in nineteen twenties, I'm most likely <laughs> gonna be in the fields or something. Well, yeah, you'd have kids, you'd have a, a, a esposa. 
You know what? That, that just depresses me more because it's like I'm single. So what you're telling me is I'm behind <laughs> no. already because no. I'm single. Hey. I don't have any kids. Well, you're starting to sound a lot like my mom. No. Well, unlike your mom, I think it's good to be single. Um, I'm I'm recently single. I, I, you know, single. I broke up with my girlfriend like over six months, almost a year ago. A year ago? Like 10 months? How long, how long months? were you two dating nine, again? Like 9 months. You were dating for 9 months? Less than 9 months. Less than 9 months. Just under. But anyway, so like, I mean, I, I had, it was, ha- I was happy while I was like in it, but at the same time, I didn't see how like controlling I, the situation was, like in her favor, you know, how much she, like she affected my life, my friends began to, uh, I mean, I thought, and it's still, I, I, I could still think of it as like, oh, they were just, you know, like, um, seeing things differently yeah. from a different perspective. But they would say to, say to me like, hey, Dave, like, we never see you like anymore. You're always like with this girl and like, you, you stay at her place all the time. Like, you're always with her family and blah, blah, like, well, that's because, I don't have family in the Bay Area. But, but but did you enjoy being with her and her family? Yeah. Okay. So it was, it was like your friends were like, you know, not really... Respecting. Being friendly. Yeah, like they were, like, they were in it for their own interests. Right. But at the same time, I could have been having like so much fun with my friends and, and not... Honestly, I felt like I was married. Like, I literally stayed at this girl's house. I worked in San Jose, but, like, as soon as I got off of work, I would go up to Fremont, where she lived, and, like... Yeah? Um, yeah, like... Yeah, I, I, I was... I, I feel you. Uh, I was in a relationship. It was my longest relationship. And I felt married, too, you know. Uh, she eventually went to school up in uh, Berkeley. Not the university, but, like, a private college over there. And I moved over there to Berkeley with her. When it kind of moved, not really. It was it was weird, but yeah, I get it. Well, man, there are all, but, but, there are different stages in life. Everyone's in their different stage. Yeah, like, and yeah. not every stage will will follow suit like the but, the general population. I, I think you're lucky though because you still retain those friends after the, you broke up, right? See, this is where we go into the dark zone. That no, we were, we were. Because for me, it was like we were two years together and where, you know, we broke up. More like she left me, really. But anyway, she, we broke up. Uh, like, I moved back with my family and I had, like, no friends at all. Like, I had to start from zero. Because mm-hmm. a, lo- a lot of my... Because, like, for those two years, it was all about her, about, you know, being happy together with her. That a, a lot of ways I I neglected my friends, and I kind of you know just made her my world, and when that world collapsed, I was like I had to start a whole new world. It, does that make any sense? Yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying? You have to like start from scratch. Because, yeah, because her family is your family. Her friends are your friends. Yeah, and then obviously they can't be. It's not like her friends are gonna say, oh, like. We like this guy better than you. <laughs> well, to start off, she didn't have many friends uh, well, at the time. I didn't have that. I did have a couple of friends. But the point is, like, by the time those two years passed, like, everybody already moved on. Like, people graduated from college. People went on to their careers. People started having families. And I was back to, like, square one. Right. Well, and I man, mean, luckily, like, fortunately, you were at, like, a stage where you're young and healthy. And which is not the same, I can say, for some of my friends yeah which we'll talk about later but uh um well let's not get too carried away uh david you mentioned that you worked at san jose but you're not from san jose where are you from i'm from boston boston born and raised yeah H- how was it like and you come from an academic family i don't like what do yeah. you yeah te- both, both my per- parents are uh, professors professors oh yeah uh um psychology <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're both psychology yeah. professors. Yeah, and my dad was like, kind of like a practicing psychiatrist. See, the difference most people don't know this, but the difference between the psychologist and the psychiatrist is that psychiatrist goes to uh, medical school and can prescribe drugs, 
Uh, my dad could not do that, but he had his PhD and he worked with doctors, so he would inf have influence in what drugs they would prescribe to patients. And he would counsel, and, and then he retired in 1990 and uh, took up uh, teaching part-time, you know? Uh, cool. And by part-time, I mean like less than 10 hours a week. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And how was it growing up in, in Boston? Did you go to high school in Boston? Uh-huh. Yeah. And you I went mean, to college in Boston as well? Well, yeah. I mean, Boston. <laughs> Is Boston, that, it's a loose term for where I grew up. I, well, I mean, um, I grew up within, like, throwing distance of uh, Boston. Yeah. Uh, in a place called Milton, a suburb of Boston. And but it's between, like, Quincy and Dorchester, which are really... Uh, you know, uh, cities that people know is like Boston, like, you know, even though. Quincy and did you start is not... uh, playing music? At what age did you start playing music? Uh, when I was, when I was, uh, when I was, um, like 12, my mom got me a guitar. Um, and my mom was very, uh, musical. She still is. She plays guitar and plays piano and sings in the choir and um yeah she's she's so, so already there was like a music gene in your family yeah my dad actually i didn't know it until like later on but my dad um played trumpet for 13 years and my sister she might have sung and like she did theatrics and you know and my brother played the drums so yeah, we have like a musical family. Okay, cool. Pretty. At what age did you were you like officially in a band? Mm, my first band experience. Well, it was just like playing with others. Uh, it was probably like sixteen. I played with this guy uh, at my high school, Shane Gillespie, and uh, <laughs> if he hears this, that would be funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, you don't have to drop names, by the way. We played in the band, and like it was just him on drums, me on guitar, and uh, um, we had fun. What, what kind of music? Like, what kind of music influenced you? Actually, that's a better question. Well, it's changed over the years. Uh, I, I'm eclectic in my, my taste. I like anything from like rap to classical. Really, like, would you try to rap back in those days? Mm, I do rap. Uh, all right, but like, world, you, you gotta realize that <laughs> that Dave here, he's one of the tallest people, white people you would ever meet, a white person. Yeah. Uh, he he's tall. He how tall are you? Six seven. He's six seven, and he's so skinny, and <laughs> and I I'm wondering like hearing him rap, like do you think he could rap now? Uh. Yeah. Because because I, I tried rapping when I was in middle school, and I was the worst at it. Like I don't know, like sometimes uh, to show off to chicks on the phone, yeah, I would pretend like I'm rapping, but I'm actually reading from a book. Oh, and I, least, it, 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 I don't know, I was I was really bad at it. So I, I couldn't imagine. I I wrote uh I wrote a rap that I still remember. Like um, it's not very long, but uh, I wrote it out, right like as I was in college, but. I um I graduated, but I still lived on the campus, in the campus apartments. Uh, I really I had a great friend named Jose Sanchez, uh, no relation. Oh, I but, don't know. Maybe we're cousins. I have no <laughs> idea. But uh, he was he's in uh, Texas now. He's awesome, and uh, he in kind of was a, a really good at. Uh, writing rhymes and and uh spitting hot fire and uh anyway so like we had a rap battle like going back and forth and it was i can you want me to do it sure all right so the school i went to was called hood college and uh this is right after i graduated but i was still living on the campus so i said like 
I came to Hood College just to get a degree. Now I'm out of this bitch. I ain't ready to leave. You can tuck me in, mommy, but we ain't gonna sleep. I won't accept defeat. Let me pounce on this beat. And what I do on the mic is no small feat. And when you step up to me, brother, man, you better believe. Putazo y panerte, seis feet deep. I don't need to see your cards and you can read them when we. Uh. I think that was it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty good, actually. Wow. Uh, well, it's better than I thought. <laughs> It's not exactly Grammy winning stuff, no, but probably not. It's interesting. So you start off. See, so you're influencing rap. Like, are we talking about like uh, Tupac or or is it more East Coast stuff? Like, like what's a guy? Biggie, Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls. No, not really. Not until like later in life. But I mean, like first rap group I ever heard. Been like. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, oh, it might have been Kid Rock. <laughs> Get out of here. Back when he did Kid Rock. Get this. Yeah, you've never had Ball with the Bar? Ball with the Bar, the bang, the bang, digga, 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 set a boogie, set up, drop the boogie. No? That's like the widest rap I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it <Wow>. was. <laughs> I mean, look at Kid Rock. Now he's like a country star. But back in the day, he and his little friend, Joe C., you don't know Joe Uh. Rest in peace, dog. Joe Okay. The MC. <laughs> Joe No, seriously. Look it up. All right. So, uh, yeah, Kid Rock was probably the first white rapper that I heard of. And then, like, of course, 50, you know, um, not not 50 Cent. Uh, uh, nah, maybe Nas, like, a little bit. And uh, Jay-Z. Um Things like that. But, like, before I can remember, my parents and my family were huge into the Beatles. Hmm. So, like... Yeah, Matt's classics. Right, but I... I don't know if I was underdeveloped or, like, what? But I just didn't get it. Until I turned 21. The day I heard... uh, I listened to... Um, Abbey Road the whole way through uh-huh. I was I was in Florida I'll never forget it. I was like lying on the couch restless and I was just listening to that album and I was like fuck what have I been missing like this is, they are so talented and then I started listening to them more and more and I was like damn all those road trips to New Hampshire we took and they would play you know Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and I would just be like, I was like can we listen to something else or you know i didn't get it when i was a young kid but. yeah I, I could relate because uh, growing up my dad he was not really the beatles kind but he was more of like the rolling stones tom petty mm-hmm. and i i think i was trying too hard to be cool at school so i tried to get into like the rap and hip-hop and and we, the local uh hip-hop station Mariachi. <laughs> and, and not exactly but the thing is I, I will kind of force myself to like this music yeah and it wasn't until like after high school when I got a car uh, that I started uh, listening I was like well I, I never really bought CDs before and so I used my dad's CDs and put on like the doors and I was like this is actually some good shit like how come I never got into this earlier like this is like really good stuff and yeah um, but musically though, when did you first start playing in front of with the band? Um, so uh, well, I mean, music, the band, the time will decide. Yeah, tell us about time will decide. How did you guys come together? Um, well, this is where we're going to go towards, like my my uh, friends. So, um, but the time will decide to start in California or did it start in Boston? Started in California, but um, my two best friends, uh, Julian and Tom, were living out here before I came to California. They were out here uh, between, I think Tom was out here for like two years, and then Julian was out here for like five years, um, and she. Uh, and then, like, I was traveling and in school. I went to school in Maryland. And then I, you know, I worked in Maryland afterwards. And then I traveled to Israel. 
And and uh, I, Israel, wow. Yeah, let's. My let's, my, my ex, we'll get, we'll my get. ex is she's half Israeli. <laughs> okay. Um, well, so when I came back to the U.S., I was like, oh, like I don't know what to do, like, and my friend said, come out to sunny California, and I was like, all right, like I'll come for a little bit, but my plan was to go teach in, uh, English in China, so I was applying to this teach abroad um thing uh and then let's be honest you were thinking of going to china to get yourself a bride yeah yeah that was it that was just what i needed a bride actually my uh my ex was half chinese so yeah apparently being uh white in asian countries is like a turn on Mm. also having a big dick helps (laughs) <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm sure it does. Uh, but I was actually, uh, I briefly saw like this um, article where this study kind of showed like what these dating sites, like what percentage of people are being um, clicked on to start dating. Mm-hmm. And that the majority of the men, like the, the majority of the women would choose white men online dating. And on the female side, the majority of men will target Asian women to be dating. Mm. So, a- according to this uh, article in the world of online dating, uh, the 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 big uh, favorite <laughs> is being a white man and an Asian woman. Oh yeah, yeah, I find it fascinating. Yeah. But anyway, so your friends moved here to California. You did your own thing, going to different countries, uh-huh, and you I'm thought of going to China one. to as a career. Yeah, it's like uh, just to explore. Um, I mean, I've been to China uh, when I was in college. Yeah. And um, and so I came out to California thinking I would be gone in like three months. <laughs> um, and my, uh, you know, my friends were like really cool about having me out. We partied, like we had a, a fun time. I started get, volunteering with Good Karma. Uh, bikes, which is an organized nonprofit organization that I support, um, got me into bike mechanics and then bicycling in general, and uh, so I, I really support them. And um, in at one point, you know, the Chinese embassy, you know, said like we're not going to give uh, the visa to the school, so ergo you can't go. Blah blah blah. And was it like uh, a political decision? Or yeah, was it? yeah. I mean, the, the really? work visas are hard to get sometimes in China. Really? For uh, this school that I was like planning on going to, had difficulty. So, um, so I was like, new plan. Gotta like find out what I'm gonna do. And my friend worked for this nonprofit, uh, which uh, which was an AmeriCorps position which I've also done a year of after, right after college. So I was like, hey, that sounds kind of cool. Learn about uh, the environment and uh, do AmeriCorps, and another year of AmeriCorps. And so I did that, and that bought me, you know, some time. And then I met my girlfriend and, like, you know. Uh, and then I finished that last August, um, and I was like, all right, well, now what do I do? I don't, you know, I don't know what to do, blah, blah. And then, like, my friends were in a similar boat. Like, they were looking for jobs and looking for places to live. Um, but I, I, I missed a huge part of it, which was I started the band Time on the Side. I think, that was, I I think was, that was the answer to my question. You know, so yeah. <laughs> I asked about the band, you went out, which is great. But Well, it's a backstory. So I, I grew up with Julian and Tom. Yeah. Tom uh, basically started playing the guitar after I had started, and we would jam together in Boston, and we would play music all the time, and like... Um, and he loved it. And then um, we came to, when we both got into California, I met Tom's friend named Will. Oh, Will. Will's, Will's an awesome guy. Awesome. Awesome guy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Will and I uh, met, and then, like, instantly we were just like, yeah, like, let's do this. Let's play music. By the way, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Will is the drummer of the band. Mm-hmm. And 
and he's he's really good and he's very passionate about it. Yeah, dude. well, he's starting to do more than just drum. He sings. He's, oh, that's right. He do, he sings and he's doing guitar. He's playing guitar. Yeah, both of you are very talented. He plays djembe, the cajon, you know, yeah. almost anything that uh, is percussion. <laughs> he plays it. And, and did you perform here in open mics? Was mm-hmm. was Cafe Frascati one of them? Cafe Frascati was the first one we did. Yeah. Yeah. Before I came along, Will and Tom were like, we never thought we would do a open mic. We never thought we would play in front of people. They had been playing together for maybe a year before I got into the mix, and then um, and then like we started playing, and maybe like four months later. We were like, I think we're ready to go to an open mic. And we went to Cafe for Scotty. And then we went again. And went like again. And then... How, how was it your first time performing there? Uh, I think we have... I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the video on our YouTube um, channel, Primal Decide YouTube channel, is from the first uh, performance we did at, at uh, Cafe for Scotty. Is one of uh, yeah Tom's the original band member. Yeah. Um, well, I, I never met Tom. When I met you guys, it was you, Will, and Ben. And Ben, he was the uh, banjo player. Banjo, also from Boston, but uh, yeah. I did not know him before. Uh, oh, really? So you guys didn't know each other back in Boston? No. So when I met you guys, it was like you and him from Boston. It was Will from San Jose. And uh, is Will from San Jose? No, right? Yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah. Okay, he, he was born here and then raised up in like SoCal area. Okay, um, raised up in SoCal. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, so, so um, yeah. So we started playing open mics. Um, then I uh, I got into hosting the open mic at Cafe for Scotty. How did that t- become? Like, how, how did that unfolded? It's, um, I was there with, uh, with Tom and, uh, Will and they didn't have an open mic, uh, host. So one of the baristas was doing the job like of, of announcing, you know, who was going to play and, and then she would go back and make a coffee. Oh, you that's know? so annoying. Yeah. So like she was running back and forth and I was just like, yeah. Will, Will's, Will's the kind of guy who's like a perfect boost for your confidence yeah he's like dave like you should go up there and talk to her and say like hey i'd be willing to you know host this thing so that's what i did and then uh i gave her my contact information they got back to me and uh i started hosting in january like 2013 um no, no january 2014 Sorry. Was it mostly musical acts, or were there comedians like open micers performing there well, at the time? Uh, there were mostly uh, per, like uh, musical performances, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember I I don't know what what point it was, but between now uh, now and uh, uh, in January of <laughs> we. We uh we had like one girl I remember her coming up she's like, she still comes there Kim we walked home with her uh, once I went to the I walked home with her no to what? the train station to the train station did I Kim yeah like recently she a comedian no no she's like a philosophy lesbian. A philosophy lesbian, <laughs> a philosophical lesbian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it still does not ring a bell. Yeah, dude. Well, I, I don't know. So I figured it would. The lesbian thing uh, it uh, came up. Oh, is she that short? Asian uh, girl. Asian girl, skinny. Mm-hmm. Is she schizophrenic? <laughs> no, I'm saying this because I saw her the other day at the cafe, cafe mm-hmm. and she was talking to the wood next to the mirror. And she was like laughing and having like a conversation with it. Wow. And, and don't get me wrong, she's nice. She's a sweet gal. She's really nice. But but when she goes up there, like the little times I've seen her, uh, she just, uh, well, she doesn't really do poetry. She doesn't really do 
uh, I guess she kind of just says her opinion. When, 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 uh, I, I first... spoken words kind of stuff, but without the poetry, where she's just, uh, talking about her philosophical views. Yeah. And it's interesting, but at the same time, uh, she kind of loses me because she starts talking about phallic symbols and something about her dream, losing her sexuality. The first, uh, uh the first time I saw her, like, perform, uh, she came on to stage and she is like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. She got up on stage. She was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, I think she's like, I think I'm gonna uh, talk about this dream I had. And she talked about her, a dream that she had, and she like interpreted it for us for like ten minutes. I don't know, less, just under ten minutes. Uh, and I was like, Wow, I've never had anyone do that before. Like, talk about your dream, okay? And so. I have stupid dreams. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, hers wasn't exactly thrilling. <laughs> I don't recall it, so it wasn't. Anyways, um, but the the band Time of the Side played uh, open mic frequently, like while I was hosting. Uh, of kinda, course, I, it kind of feels like you guys were like the house band. Yeah, I mean, because I got I would make the list and. I'd, Obviously, if I knew uh, Tom and Will were free, I'd be like, hey, I'm going to sign us up. And yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, um, like, I'm, so there came a, a pivotal point uh, in my, not just my musical career, but my life where uh, uh, I was, it was like, we, once we got comfortable with doing open mics, we were like, all right, like, let's try to book a show. So we, we called up a, um, a local uh, venue, Johnny V's. Johnny V's. Uh -huh. Yeah, that, that's on Santa Clara. Mm -hmm. um, we, between 1st and 2nd Street. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, pretty shady place. It's not so bad, but, you know, I, I, looking from the outside, looks like a place that somebody could get, like, stabbed or something. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, what? Because I, I, I'm not. Anyways. Okay. All right, that was going to be our first per, uh, place of performance, and um, and it was we were like looking forward to this. We started getting into gear with songs we were going to do, like all that, and then so uh, Tom started to feel uh, not so great. He didn't enjoy uh, playing music as much. Uh, he would he would like be like, uh, but like I'm not really feeling up to it, guys. I'm I don't know what's wrong, but uh, I'm just I'm not gonna come tonight. Um, so we would practice without him, and then uh, you know it got closer to uh, the date, and uh, we were like, oh man, like I uh, by this time I knew. Ben, Banjo Ben, uh, through work, uh, but, but, the bicycle place? Oh. No, the, uh, the environmental place, OCF. Okay. Uh, but I, we didn't, we jammed maybe once, Tom, me, Will, and Ben, and, um, it was fun, and then we, uh, and then Tom was going through the thing, and we're like, oh, what, like, I don't know what's wrong with him. He was even probably more freaked out than we were. We didn't really know what was happening, but he was like, he called me up one time and he was like, uh, I'm going to respectfully bow out of the, of the show at Johnny V's. And I was like, all right, like, uh, you want to talk about like what's going on with you? And he's like, no, like I'm just going to see a couple of doctors and, and it started to look like more serious, but I had no idea of the, like the gravity of the situation. So I, uh, I was like, well, like we kind of needs a third person, banjo, uh, banjo Ben. That's why I called him Banjo Ben. He's like he's the man and a really talented musician, really nice guy. So uh, we went. I went um, and I. Invited him to Will's and we uh, jammed for a little while and it was like Will and I previously agreed like if he's cool Like if we if we can do some good tunes with them. 
we're going to like ask him to perform at the show with us afterwards. So we're playing, we're playing like one song, we're learning a new song and we're like, uh, we're like, yeah, this sounds pretty good. And he stops and he stops and he's like, uh, guys, he's like, you guys got a show coming up. Like if you, if you want to do something for the show, like we could like get into gear with that. And we're like, we look at each other and we're like, uh, he just read our minds. So like there it, it took off and uh, we were like, all right, Ben, uh, ben will will play with us for the show and possibly from from then on. And uh, what? Uh, but it was worrisome in the time with what was happening with Tom. Uh, he went to see several doctors in uh, like the Bay Area, uh, Stanford, and whatnot, and. The gist that I got at the time was that like everyone, everyone was saying there was nothing wrong with you, you know, like you're you're fine, you're physically healthy. Like he was isolating himself from you guys. It, that's what it looked like. We didn't really have a reason. But he why. he didn't let any indication that he was going like pain. He was yeah, having he any pain. yeah. Well, it it didn't seem like it. He started calling out work, uh, when she was a he was a waiter at a. A local restaurant and he uh, yeah he just started kind of shutting himself up uh, and I, I can't remember the exact moment it happened but like it seemed to just hit all of a sudden like we knew we learned what was wrong with Tom what was wrong it's called uh, hyperacusis and uh, with it's a hearing disability uh, that is largely up for debate. Uh, it's it's rare, but uh, I am one hundred percent confident that it's it's real and like it's a concern as we get uh, in a louder society with better technology. You know, like loud more cars, louder so, horns. What, what exactly is this? What did you call it? Hyperacusis. Hyperacusis. So what exactly is it? Uh, it's a so it's a rare. Um, disability that it can come about like a number of ways um, usually trauma like in the form of either a noise like a shotgun if you were standing close to a shotgun you know that ringing you hear when you're yeah. at a loud concert or yeah. if a gun goes off and uh, it, it stays with you for a little bit but then it goes away and um with Tom, uh, it didn't really go away, and so that part, it, it's a, it's two, two pro, uh, two problems. The hyperacusis is the worst one, and then there's tinnitus. And I'll define both of those for you, but they're both hearing disabilities, and the tinnitus is more common among musicians. Um, is it because of years of being next to speakers and stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah usually that's it and uh like people play loudly and you think like the worst thing that can happen to you is if you're you go deaf for me that's deaf. the worst like, as a musician i feel like that's like a career breaking but thing. there are things worse than that just make sure that the audio is okay so uh so so it wasn't uh it was worse than going deaf <laughs> the the tinnitus because there was constant noise yeah the tinnitus rings okay. in your ear and it's usually just one pitch that you know keeps going. There are like many people, Chris Martin from Coldplay, the Black Eyed Peas, Will I Am, uh, mem member of the Black Eyed Peas, has it. And what he says is, I've, I've read his statement is he says that if he stops making music, he'll be able to hear the, the ringing. So that's why he's constantly working on music and constantly producing albums. Like he's just a he's a workaholic. But because if he stops, he'll hear the ring in his ear. Well, that's as, interesting. That's tinnitus. Hyperacusis is much more rare. Um, and uh, but it comes about the same kind of way. is that you get uh, traumatized by a sound. A gun goes off. People have uh, gotten it as a result of uh, a car crash. The airbags going off makes a sound and that's very it's like 
people don't know how dangerous airbags are. They're pretty dangerous. Oh yeah, you, you gotta hold the steering wheel a certain way because if you like have like your arm over the airbag, you can break your arm. once it blows up, not only will it break your arm, but it could knock you out unconscious. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah. yeah. Uh, but that, so that's I learned. Uh, you know that people also uh, have hearing problems as a result of the airbag deploying. And uh, there's other ways to get it. In Tom's case, I still don't. We just like it's not determined how he got it. All we know is kind of when, and that was you know like a three month period where it seemed to develop, and it seemed like it. Uh, what well, maybe would well, like psychological be a factor in there? Like something emotional? So it's it's a factor. Yeah, but there's like there's as far as the medical um, as far as the medical uh, industry is concerned, there's no physiological uh, signs of hyperacusis or tinnitus. So to this right. day, it's more like you, you got shitty luck that you got it. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Or that you or we're saying that you're fine. This is all in your head. Ah, uh, uh, like, you okay. Know? Uh, which can be frustrating. To, yeah. Uh, like nobody believes you. Like, yeah. Okay. So it's it's um, it's no joke, and it's uh. But what what hearing is? It's it's a blessing that we have these three little bones, tiniest bones in our body. Oh yeah, and because what sound? It's it's just vibrations mm-hmm. really, and it's these these little bones that interpret these vibrations into sound and they're delicate right they're very delicate oh, I, I assume well, I totally I'm no doctor I mean I, there's no I'll, I, from the research I know there's no way to access it like surgically you know there's no surgical procedure to to go in and you know it's basically a lobotomy if you're screwing a hole in someone's temporal uh, lobe and to try to get to the bones it's just, no one's gonna do that so there's no surgical procedure, um, and there's, I, I believe, even like X-rays are really, um, it's hard to see the bones because they're inside your skull. But uh, yeah, from what we know is the they vibrate, and then uh, neurons kind of transmit that in your brain to sound and language and. Uh, noise and predators. I mean, like it's you don't realize how gift, how much of a gift sound is until you lose it. Because that's yeah. how. That's but I think that's true. Skill. I think that's true for like a lot of things. You know, like how so many things we take for things for granted. Um, yeah, it's, it's this hole. David's trying to charge a laptop, and he couldn't find the hole. Maybe maybe that's why your relationship didn't work out. Uh, but no, yeah, I think I think we so many things for like uh, for example, um, I had a panic attack on Christmas. It was the first time I ever experienced a panic attack in my life. Like I thought I was having a heart attack, and and so on. So I, I drove myself to the ER. You can get another chair, Dylan, if you want. Uh, but uh, oh, Dylan, my brother's in the room, by the way. Uh, but if we go ahead, get a third chair. It's all I good. Understand. Right now, get third chair, please. Don't worry, don't worry. No, please get it. It's an order. <laughs> uh, what makes it benefits everybody. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and panic attack. Pretty much, I thought I was dying. I drove my ass to the ER, uh, and ho- honestly, I was hoping that something was wrong with me, so that way at least I know what it is. Mm-hmm. But when the results came in. And they're like, uh, just a panic attack. May realize because I took for granted that I spent my youth like very lazy when it comes to not eating healthy or not exercising as much as I should. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know what? Like I could have avoided this panic attack if only like I've exercised more or if I eat good stuff or because that helps bring positive thinking. Yeah. And when you th- when you think negatively your mind manifests it in your body and and i feel like people and i feel like you know like sight 
you know, it's it's it, there's so much science into like why why we see the frequencies that we see, the colors we see, mm-hmm. and we don't realize until like you know if someone goes blind or something. Yeah. Or or or, or even I can't even imagine. Even I'm, hands, even limbs, like losing limbs. It's like, like I, I was reading a book. Uh, it's, it's called a blank slate, and it was talking about like people when they when they lose limbs, they still feel like they have phantom limbs. Phantom like, limbs. Yeah. yeah, like 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 like. They, they feel like like let's say a guy doesn't have an arm but he feels like he still has the arm there someone could tickle it exactly someone could even tickle the arm that's not there mm-hmm. that's fascinating but but yeah and, and it's um, I don't know it's, it's, it's mind, interesting mind over matter exactly but the point is that we take so many things for granted so many things and it's not until we lose them that, that we truly like reveal that like holy shit like if if I only knew now what I knew then, I would have done things differently or make the best of things. I yeah I can't but I can't fathom what you know could be more strange than not not going deaf but gaining like hyper sensibility. You know like so. You 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 would you would think that's a good thing. You would think being hypersensitive it's like superpowers if you could control it if you could be like hey like i hear a robbery going on down the street like that uh, would be i'm cool. not going that way right or like someone you know someone oh whatever you get what i mean yeah but like um it's like no the- it's uncontrollable and so like you know but i've i still i haven't talked to tom uh to this the day phone or in person like i i think the the last day I talked to him was April 9th, 2014, and that was, uh, I was rushing him to the uh, airport, San Francisco airport, like, I'll never forget that day, uh, because Tom had his dad fly out, because he was having these health issues, and um, his dad, you know, wanted to find out what was wrong and take him home, so, um, his dad comes out and uh, they they put Tom's affairs in order, put in, you know, his, um, he was renting an apartment. They told the, the owners that he was going to leave. They sold his car. They did all, like, got rid of most of his stuff. And, um, and then all that in, like, two days. And, uh, and then I, I just, like... Uh, Tom, he did. He was like texting me by this point. Is that and, is that like the best way to communicate? Is mm-hmm. through text and email? Yeah, that's email. all I've done. Like I still I, talk to him at least every week, but uh, you know he's he's in Boston now, and the flight was traumatic enough. I I can only imagine because like the engines are so loud and the ears are popping. Yeah, I can't imagine like what he went through, but I do know that I drove him to the airport with my best friend Julian and Tom's dad, and uh, we, you know, we, I like drive as quickly as I could, but without speeding, and you know, I don't drive much, but uh, I don't have a car, but the I drove. Because um, my best friend uh, Julian was was feeling it really hard, and he said, uh, "He said, will you drive?" And I said, "Yes." So we got in the car, and I drove as fast as I could. And I remember him like uh, weeping in the back, literally. And uh, it's always hard to see your your friends cry. You know, it's it's it's. it's and he wanted to go home. He didn't yeah. want to go like on the flight. And I said, uh, I said to his dad, like, should we turn around? And his dad said, uh, he said, no, we've got to get Tom to the airport. So we, I kept on driving and we got uh, to the San Francisco airport. And I had like a minute with Tom in the car. and But we were silent. And uh, I... I wrote on my iPod a note. I just, because he, he couldn't, 
managed to uh, find out like how he was gonna live his life. And he said, uh, he said, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get into Boston. They're, they're not going to do anything for me. These doctors don't know anything. And uh, I just wrote down on this uh, iPod. And I showed it to him. And I said, one day at a time. And don't, you know, tell, reassuring him that, like he should take, take each day and uh, be thankful he's glad. Or he's alive. Sorry. And... Um, to not worry about the future because the future's what do they say unforeseen yeah um, I believe it's uh, there's a quote up there if uh, can you bring it down please yeah I saw that uh, the, 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 yesterday is history tomorrow is a mystery today is a gift and that's why we call it the present right uh, yesterday is history tomorrow is a mystery today is a gift that's why we call it the present and so, um, that was the last thing I, I, the last time I saw Tom, he took off an airplane and he's been home ever since. Like, it's, and you know, like, this kind of disorder, um, it's, I can't really fathom something worse. Uh, and I mean, you know, if someone was in a car accident and had brain injury, that that would be worse. But uh, <laughs> there's there's always things that can be worse. But but still, you don't under like you don't you know you see you think all right. The worst thing you can happen is lose your senses. You know, like thank you, Dylan. Um, is like if you're you enjoy your your hearing, the worst thing you go deaf. If you enjoy your sight, the worst thing you go is go blind. If you enjoy your taste, you lose your sense of taste. Like, that's terrible. But, uh, what if, like, what if you could see, you know, uh, UV lights? Or, like, lights outside of the spectrum that we see? Mm -hmm. What if you saw ghosts? What if you saw, you know... Like, that's, that's the same realm that I'm, like, talking about. Is that, like... This is just somewhere beyond losing that sense. It's you're gaining. Um, it, it's like I don't know how to explain it, but you know, hyperacusis um, in Tom's case caused him to basically lose his uh, his status in California, quit his job, uh, move across country where I can't see him anymore. And drop out of his band, which he loved. I think that's the worst part, is he can no longer do what he loves, which is playing music. Yeah, but I mean, and I, I think about this all the time. I don't really tell him this, but like, you're not going to have a family. You're not going to ever have kids. Not that he wants them. <laughs> but of course, he's not going to have kids. He's not going to... Why not? Like, I don't... Because, well, if... That's the mic check. You don't need. All you need is a penis to have a kid. But I mean, like well, you need a penis, a penis and a vagina. Yeah, of but course. It takes more than a man to raise a family, you know. That's true. Okay, and, I, see, I see what you're saying. And uh, to be involved in a family, you have to be around them. And to, like, there is one woman that I know of who has this hyperacusis pretty badly. She lives in New York City. Her last name is Cohen. I know that. Um, and she met her husband on a chat website. A chat website for people who suffer from hyperacusis. So there's a support group? Yeah. Okay. And uh, she met her husband on that website. They got married. And I think they've been together like for seven years. She's a, um, she writes you know, blogs and other stuff. And um, her husband, I think, is an IT, but they live in New York, believe it or not, New York City. That's a pretty loud city. I and I, I got that. I've never been there, but I can only imagine. Well, I heard about her because I saw this news uh, right when Tom was like, right when I was learning what Tom was going through. Uh, I saw I researched hyperacusis. And I saw a uh, NBC or ABC 
um, some alphabet-related yeah. <laughs> news station. Yeah, there's a coverage about uh, hyperacusis. This woman, uh, I think her name's Lisa Cohen. Um, she was featured in this um, interview, and so and she's like she's wearing these industrial earmuffs the whole time. She has, the okay. whole interview and no they had to get a room uh they mentioned this they had to get a room uh to do the interview that was secluded that was carpeted uh that had all these you know all these uh, regulations so that she wouldn't suffer and uh she doesn't have it as bad as tom does but does she have a family but well she has her husband she has uh, no kids no kids that I know of. I got the chance to talk to her though recently. Oh, in person? No, of course not. Or or <laughs> through online? Through online, I found her um, on Facebook, and I because I'm just like I'm looking for things to learn about hyperacusis, and what Tom's going through, and um, and maybe help him. Still talking to him like every at least every week. Um, and just how he's doing and stuff and more like on the good note he is he's like content okay but of course he's not like you know he's in a good he took my advice he's not thinking about the future he's not like he's thinking about the now yeah he's not like getting uh worried about a job or about a uh, family he's not getting uh, worried about that thing but i know there will be a day when like you know It'll come, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. That, that all in due time. Yeah, and that's good, that's a good piece of advice. That's advice I need to take to heart because I freak out for the future. Like I, I, I super freak out. And it's scary. Future is scary, but but it's only because we don't know what it holds, really. Right. Um, and and then and that can be a good thing. I mean, my um, he's Tom has been talking to me about uh doing maybe getting into stock exchange like like first time like work at home kind of stuff right. got it first time he's like been career oriented since uh, last year and he's like uh he's thinking about these and then i found some groupon deals about learning you know taking online courses for <laughs> this groupon deals for everything right dude well i found two of them and i messaged him and he was like yeah i'll look into these but knowing Tom, he probably procrastinates. <laughs> so, um, I talked with this woman though, uh, Miss Cohen, and uh, and she, you know, described to me uh, kind of what she was going through, and uh, that her husband is getting worse uh, in regards to his hyperacusis, but she's getting a little bit better, like. I don't know to what extent that means. Like, I don't know what you mean better or worse. I can only imagine that worse is where you hear everything. And, like, are haunted by sounds. And better might be, you know, a little... Is it possible that uh, the superhero Daredevil, like, like, we all think he's, he's a super, like, his superpowers, but he doesn't. He just has this uh, hyperacoustic. Uh, he could be. A, he's a, probably a candidate for hyperacoustic. <laughs> he should be the mascot for right. the for the hyperacoustic <laughs> uh, support group. Yeah, Daredevil. That is funny. Because because you know, it, I mean, like from what I've seen in the movies, he, like I believe that's what he he's initially he's will suffer blind. from. He's blind, but like he can't. At first, he couldn't control the sounds, and they're like from everywhere. He oh. could hear sounds from. From, from the side of the room, scene. yeah, the Ben Affleck movie. People hate on it, but it's, I like it. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah. Well, that's interesting. So we, maybe you can hone it and be a crime fighter. But there, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but in the meantime, it's something for people to honestly. I guess the best, um, the reason I want to raise awareness is. To, to bring about like this is the 21st century 
Yeah. But uh, we have issues in the world that we've never faced. Human beings have never faced before. What What do you mean? Well, in t- related to hyperacusis, uh, things are getting louder. People turn their oh, walk yeah. up. They've got headphones. Yeah, I'm one of them, dude. I I love listening to music and at full volume. Yeah. And it's bad. When, when I had my bad. car, before my car broke down, that's like my favorite pastime was to, you know, cruise around with, with music up and high, you know, blasting from loudspeakers. But even then, like, but there's some things I wouldn't do. Like, like I, some concerts, like, people want to be up and close to the speakers. Totally. I was like, fuck, dude. I, I, used, to go to, I used to go to shows without earplugs. And yeah. no do, you wear, do you wear earplugs now to every show? Yeah. Yeah. You mean I'll open mics? No, but um, I should maybe. They do say to prevent uh, like damage to your hearing. Yeah. If you're exposed to loud noise for over, I think it's like uh, two hours. Yeah, I'm totally gonna get it. Like I'm then, totally looking. For, it's something for me to look forward because I, I do listen to loud music more than two hours. Then it can be detrimental to your ears, and like they have. There's website where there are websites where you can learn about like how loud is you know something. They give you examples like um, a whisper is I think like ten decibels. Yeah. Uh, so that's low. Uh, a normal conversation is about forty to sixty decibels. Mm-hmm. Uh, the and then like you jump to you know like a drum cymbal, the the hi hat. Yeah. That's uh, they say a hun- about 120 decibels. Okay. And so, like, if you're listening to a concert and you're like, you're I, I call that's me, about 120 decibels. I can only imagine how many decibels like a loud sorority chick is. Oh my god! Because I don't know for me like, ar- just, around campus. I, I go to San Jose State University. And around sorry, campus, sorry. they're like the loudest. Like they always. Like oh my god, so and so. Like not to make it sound stereotypical, but. They're like, like I like frats and sorority. I thought there was stuff only seen on TV, but after going to San Jose State, it's like they exist and mm-hmm. and they're loud. So I'm oh, sure, yeah. I'm sure the decibels up. So yeah. so we should bring awareness for people to steer clear from like sorority checks. Yeah, they they should. And there was I mean, a- I mean, I mean, not stay away completely, but like like once they start, you know, <laughs> talking amongst themselves, they get pretty loud. Fuck up your ears. True. But, like, there was a... And it's come up in my life, of course, since uh, since Tom left. Uh, it, it's... I've realized it more. There's uh, I was living close to Santa Clara University. And I remember um, my fr- uh, a student there, who was my, uh, my roommate, showed me a, a, a flyer that he saw on, like, the website. And it was like a screamathon. A screamathon? Like yeah. What is that? It was it was something like uh, eight p.m. You know, this night, everyone go outside and scream as loud as you can. What the fuck? Like 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 just randomly like like scream? Yeah, dude. That was it was some like pride, you know, thing. That's stupid. I know. <laughs> like like, I, like, I like it oh, it's eight o'clock. Uh, like you just start screaming, but like, but people see that, that's why I, I don't want to live like if ever like you know we get my own place like I don't want to live like next to a, a college town. Yeah, because they do the weirdest shit. They do weird they, stuff. Yeah, but um, but I mean, they, they, that was that was I was like oh like a screamathon. People <laughs> and people aren't wearing of course people are not gonna wear like earphones earplugs and like. They're gonna scream as loud as they can, maybe even like next to someone's ear, and you just, oh, that's the you worst know, when someone screams. I know, I hate next it. to your ear. Oh if my god! If someone did that to me, though, I will seriously, I'll, I'll, I, I'm not a violent person, but I'd fucking hit them very hard, as hard as I could. I would not hit them. I would just be. I just look at them very like, go fuck yourself kind of face but hitting yeah. them that's, that's a whole well, new level of violence for like me. a subtle American yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright so we hit the hour mark sure. um, so Is once that, again really an hour? yeah uh, once yeah. again uh, it's just a pilot so we'll, we'll see if people like this people give a shit I don't know 
They don't know if they'll give a shit. I hope they give a shit because it's very interesting stuff. And I, I learned a lot um, from you and from this. And um, yeah, so again, my guest is David Fournier. Check out his band, uh, Time Will Decide. They're also the band that made the theme song to my upcoming web series, Looking for St. Jorge. And they're good friends of mine. They're awesome people. So check them out on SoundCloud, on Facebook. Um, now I should mention it's just uh, me and Will. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Banjo Band had left for uh, for, call, for graduate school. That's probably like a story for another time for a yeah. podcast. But yeah, so for now it's just Will and David. <laughs> uh, but are you guys still actively looking for another guitarist? Um. Yeah. Yeah, so if there are any guitarists out there that are from the South Bay looking for someone and they're cool guys well this uh has been the pilot podcast it has no name for it yet i guess for now we'll just call it the jorge martin sanchez podcast <laughs> um and uh well, well thanks for coming David. Uh, hasta luego hasta luego that should be your like theme the catch the, 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 the catch hasta luego hasta luego why because i'm, I'm mexican is yes. that why yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, have a good night.